You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to a Colts Camp edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Here in studio alongside Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths, and joining us from Westfield's Grand Park is Mike Chappell there for his 38th Colts camp, and I've been out there the past two days with you, Mike. I know that Westfield isn't exactly a puddle jump, especially from the south side, but but it's certainly not uh, the the hike out to Anderson or Terre Haute. The horseshoes are back there. Uh, got fans in the stands again. We are one step closer to the NFL season. Yeah, and again, it's good. It's just good to, to have them back on the field. You got fans in the stands. They're doing what they can. They're, you can't sign autographs and all that. There's no up close and personal, but. They're throwing, you know, wristbands and sign mini footballs. So this this is when fans feel like they're part of the team, sort of, because you can see players without their helmets and they, and they do interact. Uh, but it's great to be back to some sense of normalcy because last year was not that. So uh, this this is a good step in the right in the right direction. And I mentioned this is your 38th year uh, being there uh, for Colts camp. It's a uh, so you, you've seen so many players uh, along the way and, and one this year, Kenny Moore. Uh, there's always these, these unique entrances. Uh, Reggie Wayne made made his over the years. And one of his that was now copied this year, Kenny Moore escorted in an IndyCar uh, driver paddle award, dropped him off earlier this week. Uh, it's not just the players. I mean, the, the fans taking to the players and learning who they are kind of through camp. This is also players. I mean, taking taking to the town, taking to to the city. That's a chance for them to do that. We saw that with Kenny, certainly with his uh, his IndyCar uh, a buddy there, Pato. Also, you hear a guy like Braden Smith after his contract earlier this week, Mike, saying that Indy's his home. He's just eager to uh, to to give back now to those who have given him so much. So uh, it, it, it kind of goes both ways here in training camp. The players are able to help build a relationship in the community as well. And when some of your better players are the ones that do that, you know, Peyton Manning uh, was big on that. Reggie Wayne was major in the community. And when I saw Kenny Morkum and I thought, well, you know, Reggie did that <laughs> with Ed, with Ed Carpenter several years ago. And, and Reggie took off with Edron because Edron came in that one year with a taxi cab because his license had been suspended. So he takes a taxi cab. And as it turns out, the taxi driver's license had been suspended. But uh, but Reggie did the the IndyCar the uh, a dump truck because it was you know we were this was a team under construction uh, a, a military Humvee and then the one where he came in on a, in a medevac helicopter with I think IU Health but it, it, that, that's Reggie and and that's the personality you like to see but that again that's part of camp to where it's bring some personality and that's what these guys do Kenny Moore's got he's got that. Braden Smith's not so much Mr. Personality, but he's just such a good guy, and he's going to be good for the community. You hope Carson Wentz connects more and more. Uh, but when, when you, T.Y. Hilton is, T.Y. Hilton does that. When your better players, you know, gravitate towards the community, it's just a win-win. It's not all fine and dandy in Westfield, Joe, as, as this week we also learned Frank Reich is going to be out for the first week or so, and that, that's what they expect about a week or so of camp uh, because he turned in a positive COVID-19 test at the end of last week. He said there's no symptoms. Uh, he is isolating, of course, but still uh, tuning in on Zoom to literally every meeting is what players and coaches are telling us uh, right now. But uh, for, for now, it's Bubba Ventrone kind of running the camp. But but as we know, and as anybody who's been around the NFL knows, like they, they've had these things really down to the minute, like the, the planning purposes 
for for weeks, if not months. This is something that coaching staffs Joe put together throughout the offseason. So the absence of Frank Reich, I don't, I don't think it's it's uh, it's overly damaging. I think you missed something, obviously, without your head coach on the field for sure, or else what's the point of him? But nevertheless, they, they're they still accomplishing what they set out to accomplish, even with Frank Reich not there. And you got to – I feel for Chris Ballard. He's like, man, one of these training camps, we're going to come in here and it's going to be quiet because <laughs> there's Frank Reich testing positive, the whole Andrew Luck, and uh, multiple summers there was Andrew Luck drama. Um, so, yeah, it's never a dull moment at Colts camp. I'm glad he has no symptoms. Um, he's fully vaccinated, so it's one of those breakthrough cases uh, where he still gets it. Um, but hopefully he can back, be back sooner than later. I believe with the him being vaccinated, if he as soon as he turns in two uh, negative tests, he can come back. Um, he doesn't have to wait the full 10 days if he gets those two negative tests. Mike, I'll, I'll echo what Joe said about uh, the interesting stories to start camp. Like, I, I'm fine with them. Like I, I love having some interesting stories to start off camp, even if Chris Ballard doesn't like the two interesting stories. Nevertheless, I'd prefer if they weren't with the starting quarterback or the head coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and one thing you mentioned, like with Frank being gone, they'll, they'll run things as smoothly as they can, but he's the head coach. I mean, you have head coaches for a reason, and I think one thing where they will miss something, certainly until he comes back, is how many times did we see during teamwork, 11-on-11 or 7-on-7, seven seven, that when the quarterback does this or that, then when his time comes is done that session, he stands there and talks to Frank about what did you see? What did you do? Let's try this. So you would, you will miss that. You know, they'll do that when they review video tonight or whatever and talk tomorrow, but, but you'll miss the on field, you know, instant time conversation between Frank and whether it be rivers or Jacoby or back with Andrew luck. So you're going to miss that. And, And again, I don't want to overplay the fact that he's gone, but let's not underplay it either. Because again, it's you, you know whatever Bub is doing, which is doing great, it's got to take something away from special teams. It just does. There's only so many, you know, minutes and hours in a day. But sooner rather than later, and if Frank gets back next week, then it'll be smooth sailing. A couple of players are not involved in camp so far because they have been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Those are cornerbacks Xavier Rhodes and T.J. Carey, along with defensive end Al-Kadeen Muhammad. So we have yet to see them on the field as well as Naheem Hines or Darius Leonard, uh, guys who are dealing with some injuries to start off camp that are working back to full health. Neither of them sounds uh, particularly awful. Uh, they might miss a, a little bit of time, but uh, no, no doubt that they should be back by the uh, the regular season. Um, we'll get into some more injury uh, news and notes in a minute, but uh, sticking with the COVID uh, angle right now, the Colts said on Monday, well, Chris Ballard said that the team is uh, 60% vaccinated, uh, meaning I think at least one shot. And um, the NFL.com's Judy Batista reports the uh, NFL average of all NFL players is about uh, 87% of players have received at least one shot. Uh, There are 18 clubs that have 90% or more of their players vaccinated um, and uh, 19 with the Cardinals now surpassing 90% in Rappaport reported uh, on Thursday afternoon. So uh, the Colts continue to be one of the least vaccinated groups uh, of uh, in the NFL. Um, We've asked a couple players, Mike here and there about, about the thing and uh, both uh, you, you get, guys that are clearly come out and say, yes, I am vaccinated. A guy like a divorced Buckner who gave his reasoning and uh, have been forced to the sideline last year uh, and, and watching the team perform without him and perform not well without him. 
was a big driving force behind him deciding to get vaccinated. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, you're, you're not going to get a straight answer. We haven't gotten straight answers from from certain players. And uh, it, it doesn't sound like people in the Colts locker room are upset. I know we, we live in such a polarizing world and, and Twitter can be important in so many of our lives and in, in the media or people who are trying to follow news and Twitter amplifies polarization. And you look on there and it's one thing or the other. People are are so strongly in one side or the other that there's very little wiggle room. There's very little gray area. And, and when it, it sounds like the locker room is allowing for gray area between the two, like the two sides, people who are or are not vaccinated are coming together and, and for better, for lack of a better expression, living together for a couple of weeks here with uh, with one team goal in mind. And they're able to put that difference aside. But I, I would wonder what exactly it is like or if certain conversations have gone on behind the scenes. But from the conversations they have with us, Mike, when we talk to players, it sounds like they are still towing the company line that it's a personal decision and they're not going to get into it too much further than that. Yeah, we've had probably six players tell us they've been vaccinated. Again, DeForest, Naheem Hines, Ayer Franklin, uh, Paris Campbell told us he t- took his first shot. He's due to get his second shot. And so, and then it's it, it's sort of you're guessing. I think one of the one of the protocols is if you're not vaccinated, when you talk with the media, you have your mask on. And we've had, you know, Carson Wentz. We've had uh, Braden Michael Smith, Pittman. Michael Pittman, uh, Kari Willis. I think it was Julian Blackman as Julian well. Julian Blackman. So and, and that's where you are. And it, and again, it, it's a we're only reporting it because it's a story. It, it, it's, it, it, it matters. And I, I, I wish I knew, I, I wish I could be in on the, that fly on the wall with Ursay and, and Ballard. It's clear how they come down on this issue. They want these players vaccinated for a lot of reasons, personal health. Yes. Team. It, it helps your team. Yes. Less distractions. Yes. But it's clear what you know, let's say the Colts are there's let's say they're sixty five percent vaccinated. Well, for negative, they're thirty five percent unvaccinated. Do the math, that's about thirty players. That's a lot of players. And and here we are two days into camp. So I, I in one of the I can't remember who it was, one one of the players mentioned, it may have been Buckner, how we've got strong leaders. And they, you know, they're strong in their views. Well, that works both ways. You got strong leaders who believe in vaccination, and you have strong leaders who don't believe for whatever the reason. And we're, I, it, we can't get in the weeds with that because you can't question someone's belief. Nobody wants to hear us on that either. Let's be but, honest. right, and it, and that's fine, and it's fine. It, it's fine until two or three primary players get it in week four, and, and you're missing, and then fans are po'd about it. But but the the, the issue that I I would look at is why at this point would you expect it to get much more than 65%? If that's where they are now, you know, T.Y. Hilton gave us the impression he's not vaccinated, but he's on the fence. And again, Paris Campbell was on the fence, but now he's decided to do it. The issue with teams, you know, the Colts and Washington and a few others maybe, and across the country is the unvaccinated they're the ones that are going to be now. These are the hardcore people in their beliefs. So it's going to be really hard to to sway these guys. Who and I'm not just talking football. I'm talking everywhere. So when the Colts make their cuts to 53, you're going to have 
a, a significant number of of major players, it appears, unvaccinated, just because of of, of what we've seen. You know, in, in th- will there will they be able to make it through like they did last year? Well, last year they didn't really make it through because, you know, the Tennessee game. Who what, what was it? Buckner, uh, Buckner and Autry. Go Autry and, and Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Matthew Adams. You get beat forty-five to twenty-six, and you finish eleven and five, and you're tied with the division lead. Well, if you win that game, if if you win the division, and you don't go to Buffalo in round one. So we'll see. You, you hope for the best, and you do what you can. All, my, my point roundabout is they've done, for the most part, all they can do to, to, to convince the players to do to, to take a vaccination. And I'm not sure outside of a, a, a T.Y. or someone, what can you say now to change their minds? I, I just It seems to me like you've done all you can, and this is where you are. Here is Colts General Manager Chris Ballard about the issue. So there's going to be breakthrough cases. We know that. And I don't want this to turn out to be a negative in terms of people running away from getting vaccinated because it's still critical. And I think I think with Frank testing positive and getting COVID um, and having no symptoms, it shows it works. I mean, that's one of the positives. We don't know the variant yet. We're still, you know, waiting on the results of the variant. That will be interesting to see. But it shows it works. And, you know, it's a shame in our country right now that we've politicized something that is good and that's going to help the entire country. But it's where we're at. And we've just got to continue to push forward, um, you know, with this. I'm not going to give you a timeline on when he's going to be back. You know, our protocols are pretty similar, um, but we're going to be careful. We're going to be safe. Um, And, you know, when he's back, he's back. But the good news is he doesn't have any symptoms. He's feeling good. Um, And, you know, when you hear hear some of the stories about people who are not vaccinated and who are getting sick, the difference is, is dramatic, you know, between the two. So... We keep moving forward. It sucks. He's going to miss the first, you know, I think the earliest he can be back is Monday. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Maybe sooner, depending on, you know, tests that, you know, tests that he takes. Um, But you can, look, you can still test positive for up to 90 days. I mean, that's something we've seen when you get COVID. Um, So we'll just kind of see how how it plays out. Frank and I have talked a long time about this and with Jim. And I'm, look, there's, we've got to protect the team. So we have to have protocols in place. Um, and I don't want to, I mean, there's consequences for not being vaccinated. And they're not, it's not punishment. These consequences are to keep the team safe. I can't lie to you. There's times where I wonder why our country doesn't have consequences for not being vaccinated to keep other people safe. We have lost... This sucks. I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but we have lost the sense of team. Like, that used to be a real advantage for us as a country. You know, uh, you know, the service and thinking about others and taking care of others. And, you know, this vaccine's become so political um, that, you know, doing 
in my take and all the research we've done, and, you know, I got a family, my wife's family's doctors, and, you know, they've done a lot of research on it. So getting vaccine, we think it's the right thing to do, but we're not going to force people, you know, internally to do it. And, you know, guys that are not vaccinated, they have to be, they understand, um, and they have their reasons for it, and they're going to work through it. And I don't want to, you know, just because of protocols, get vaccinated. You want them to do it because it's the right thing in their own hearts. It's the right thing to do. And if they don't, well, then we got to protect the team. We got to keep them safe. And look, we have a great group. Um, we have a tremendous group. Y'all know we have a tremendous group of men, and they want to win. I mean, I don't. I don't want anybody to walk away here and think, well, these guys don't want to win. That's further from the furthest thing from the truth. They want to win, and so they'll they'll follow the protocols. They did a hell of a job last year following the protocols, and they'll do it again this year. I mean, look, it's the beautiful thing about it, you know, about a locker room. You know, you're going to have different. There's going to be differences. There's going to be differences of opinion, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a lot. I mean, look, we drafted these guys for a reason. You know, we drafted them because we not only believed in them as players, but we believed in them as people. And they'll come together, and I don't, I don't see us having an issue with it being a split. I mean, we've had meetings on this. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago on it, a long meeting on it, and talked, and every, we let everybody talk. Guys that are vaccinated, guys are not vaccinated, um, and let us hear each other out of why. And we respect each other's opinions. But saying that, we also understand we've got to protect each other. We have leaders who are vaccinated. Um, we have other leaders who are not vaccinated. Um, I'm not going to get into who is and who isn't. I think you'll figure that over time. Um, but I think, in a, I think at the end of the day, people are going to do what in their heart they think is the best. And if they're unvaccinated, they're going to protect their teammates. I, I fully believe that because I watched it happen. I mean, I watched it happen last year. I watched the whole locker room have to go through an entire season and protect each other. So I think we'll do it again. What I will tell you is, like, I think Frank's a great example. I mean, no symptoms. He's not going to, you want to get vaccinated because you're not going to die. You're not going to end up on a ventilator in the hospital. That's why you want to get vaccinated. And it, it reduces the chances of spreading it. That's, that's why. And so, you know, guys that make that decision, okay, fine, but there's consequences. You've got to protect the team. So, you know, is there concern? Yeah. Um, but saying that, whatever, you know, whatever end up percentage we end with, um, we'll deal with it and we'll move forward and, and we'll handle it. Look, whoever wins the job on the field, that's who's making the team. I mean, that, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a player that, just because he's vaccinated, that hadn't won the job. I mean, what message are you sending, you know, to your locker room? And then, you know, are you giving yourself the best chance to win on Sunday? And we've done it all along. We brought in doctors, we, you know, we brought in experts. Um, we'll continue to educate, um, you know, and we'll continue to move. Look, we got to we got to, you know, at this point, you know, guys are going to make decisions as we, you know, keep going forward. And I'm sure we'll continue to have more guys get vaccinated as we go forward. But, you know, now 
now. It's about coming together as a team and whatever the circumstances are, we got to deal with it and move forward and um, handle it and come together as a team and get ready to, to win. I mean, we got a, we got a big, this important camp and we got a lot of work to do. I mean, look, everybody kind of makes decisions at their own, at their own pace. And I, I think one of the biggest problems we have right now, and this is not just the NFL, but this as a country, like it, like when you force somebody to do something, um, there's an automatic guard that comes up that, you know, they're going to look for the opposite side of it. So I think as, you know, as people get more educated, they get more comfortable, they start seeing that. I mean, I don't know, what's the total now in our country vaccinated? Over 150 million, you know? I mean, you know, as they start to see the, the research and the data come back, they, they make an educated decision to decide which way they want to go. I mean, my, I mean I, you know, I've read a couple things here, and like we all are, but um, I think it was, I thought Jerry Hughes in Buffalo made a good point. He said, well, we've got the best, the best of the best, the best of the best, Smartest of the smartest who have created this. You know, we have all these people vaccinated. You know, you know at some point, we got to have faith and trust. That is our contractually mandated uh, discussion on vaccines and COVID-19. I'm sure you all enjoyed it heartily, but uh, certainly some great information there from Chris Ballard. And it's something that, as Mike said, it's, it's, we report it because it's a story. So it's something that needs to be discussed. We don't do it. I don't do it because I enjoy it. I can promise you that. I, I do it because I, I know that it's important and it's, it's an issue uh, that one way or another uh, could define some team season this year in the NFL. Let's get to news across the league and really, really uh, sticking with the Colts, we will. I mentioned Braden Smith, contract extension for him. Uh, four years reported $70 million in new money with $42 million guaranteed. Um, and uh, Mike, Chris Ballard had said earlier this week that you're never going to regret paying a great player. Uh, I don't give a crap what position it is. Right tackle doesn't always get the biggest money, uh, but Braden Smith got some pretty big money because uh, the Colts believe he deserves it. And what is he, 25? 25 26, maybe? Old. Yeah. So, so that, that's what you do. That, it, it, it's, the, it's the good and the bad of drafting. You know, when you hit your draft picks, good for you. You've got them and you got them cheap for four years. And then when it comes time, you pony up. Uh, and, and any general manager would gladly, gladly deal with how you re-sign great players. Uh, you know, Darius Leonard soon. Uh, Quentin Nelson next year, which is going to be massive. Uh, Naheem Hines need, needs an extension. I would rather have that issue than ha have players who are okay. But, the, you know, and I don't, this will come off as a slap, and it's not meant to be. Anthony Walker. Very, very good player, but deemed not, you know, the type that you want to invest major money in. That's fine. But when you get these guys, uh, you know, and DeForest Buckner, they make the trade for him last year and they give him a four-year, what was it, $82 million extension? Yep. And in four years, you do it again. Uh, so that it, it, it's a good thing. I think they get Darius done in the next four or five days. And did you move on? Because it, it, it's a difficult situation, but boy, it's one you really want to have almost every other year.
Yeah, here's the deal, Joe, and Mike brought up the DeForest Buckner situation. If you get into a point eventually that you're drafting so well that year after year you have to pay too many guys, like with San Francisco, they needed to pick and choose what they what they truly valued for their offensive and defensive systems. Buckner was playing their a position for them that wasn't as valuable as others. For the Colts, we've heard Chris Ballard say it time and time again that the three technique is one of the most important positions of the defense that the Colts want to run. So you find a team that wants that wants your guy. If you get to that situation, you trade for a first round pick and then you're on a new fresh contract. If you're the 49ers and for the Colts, it's a win win for both franchises. Yeah. And the 49ers turned around and used that very pick the Colts gave them on Javon Kinlaw to replace Buckner. So there's a lot that goes into roster construction. I know um, they were paying George Kittle around the time and you got to make these tough decisions and. That is an option when players get near the end of their rookie contracts is if you can't pay them, maybe it's best to trade them and get something back for them. Darius Leonard's likely the next Colt to receive a contract. We mentioned Quentin Nelson, maybe next offseason. Uh, Naheem Hines, maybe before this season, but Chris Bauer didn't exactly give the impression that that's high in his priority list right now. Um, let's see about Darius specifically. He hasn't been on the field yet. Uh, Chris said that he had a little procedure on his ankle, a little procedure. Again, Mike, we talked about this all. It's funny. It's not a surgery. It's a procedure. Exactly. And it's little. It's very little. Very minor. Yeah, because because it's not on my ankles. So it's little. Yeah. <laughs> Just cutting someone's leg open to to take something out or put something in or whatever the heck it is. It it sounds pretty. It sounds uh intuitive or not intuitive. Not intuitive to me. Uh, but anyway, Ballard said that we'll monitor him early and he'll be ready. And and I have no doubt that he will be ready. Uh, for the season. And it's not like Darius Leonard was going to get all that much time in the preseason. Anyway, it's not really for him. Training camp could be helpful. Practices are helpful, but uh, the, the games maybe not quite as helpful for Darius Leonard. Not quite as concerning that he's missing a few games. Darius now. would be out there in the preseason, lighting people up, doing yeah. dance. He'd put up like a 25 and five stat line. Everyone right. would have to tell him to calm down on Sunday. The Colts placed left tackle Eric Fisher on the physically unable to perform list on pup with his Achilles uh, rookie Dio Adangbo on the non-football injury list. Uh, no timetable for those returns. They're similar lists about when you can bring them off and uh, what uh, there are differences in like how you like how there's I'm not going to get into the differences too much into the they're weeds. Hurt. Exactly. They're, they're both hurt. They're working to get back. Um, we'll see when they do. Uh, Rob Windsor also, that was the uh, the kind of the, the surprising one that he was placed on injured reserve and uh, heard from Chris Bauer that he's going to miss the season. Joe, you mentioned Windsor last week, maybe a guy that you, you were hoping could do something in the interior. It's obviously not going to be able to happen. Not going to be this year. And then we had today, Mike, I noted, saw you noted on Twitter, uh, Ryan Kelly hurt his elbow. Yeah, it's one of those, and you don't know you're watching practice or doing 11 on 11 and there's a run up the middle. And when the scrum is over, he's kind of been over flexing his, his, he thought it was his shoulder to start with, but it, it's apparently his elbow. Uh, he didn't return to practice. The trainers put a nice wrap around the elbow and you don't know. And, and we'll maybe get an update tomorrow, but we were supposed to talk to Ryan today and that, you know, was changed, but it just, it just shows you how they're not in pads. They're sort of going two thirds speed. I don't know, half speed mm -hmm. on these, on yeah. these, and that's why I tell you, you talk you talk to old time coaches. I was talking to Rick Venturi, and we've been around. You know, my thirty eighth camp. I remember when training camp, they they worked their tails off. I mean, they had two a days in pads. I don't care what the weather was, and Rick and I would sometimes kind of laugh when I Chuck Pagano said, "We're gonna have a tough camp this year." And then you watch, you think, "What was that?" 
but but it's just that now it, it's it's gone so much the other way. You know, the off season was was reduced to what two weeks of OTAs, not a not defense versus offense. It was more, you know, get your own act together. And the, the players and the players association, the union, have really put their weight behind less and less in the off season and less and less camp hitting and all that. So, and, and this is why, and this is one of the reasons why you don't want to lose players uh, in camp because you're going to lose players in the season. You're going to lose players in preseason games. And I'm not saying Ryan Kelly, it, it may be nothing. It could just be hit his funny bone or whatever and whatever. Although Ryan Kelly's not a funny guy. Maybe he's got the, you know, the, the on on elbow or whatever. But but you you the, the players and coaches are so leery of, of doing too much in camp to to lose a player. There was a play today where Wentz throws on the sideline to Ty and me and Rock. You seen they go up together and Ty comes down pretty hard, and he sort of I mean you wondered you know wow, you know at the very least is there some kind of concussion there? But he got up and but that's what you do. It's it's you, you you're going to lose players along the way because this is the, the sport it is it's attrition but no one wants to lose these guys in training camp you look at guys who are back in training camp marlon mack kamoko Ture, paris campbell all good to go all out there in the rotation getting their work um out of all three of them certainly you could have high expectations for all of them i think out of all those three my highest are for paris campbell um, and a- any one of them could have a significant impact uh, on the Colts team this year, but glad to see all of them back and, uh, and contributing at the start of camp. It doesn't look like a mic there reigns on any of them from, from what I've seen. I've seen them not use to quite so much because remember Frank or, uh, Chris Ballard told us how he thought they pushed him back too quick last year. So uh, he's the only one, the other ones have been out there and I, I'm kind of with you. If I had to rank the three guys you mentioned on, importance to the team it would be to me paris teray and then mac but mac is the one i want to see just because he's such such a good kid and and it was such a devastating injury but the one you know paris gamble i'm telling you people may think we're, we're just blowing smoke but when you see him out there what he does with the size the speed the yards after the catch the thing with Paris Campbell is when when he's not there, there's no one like him out there. There's there's not plan B uh, for that position. And in Kamoko Ture, he has got to be a pass rush presence. He just does. You know, I, I could argue that, that Marlon Mack's contributions are third on the list because you got Taylor, you got Hines, and you got Wilkins, and, and it worked last year very well. But the other two guys, they really, really need to be significant contributors because if they're not, it just restricts what the passing game can be and what the pass rush can be. The roster is always a fluid situation, even as training camp begins. The Colts have signed a couple of players, including former Vikings cornerback Holton Hill. Uh, you, you you look at his uh, resume, Joe. He doesn't exactly look like a horseshoe guy with a couple suspensions in 2019 for performance enhancing substances and the other for substance abuse, I think. 
uh, cut off here on my page, but yes. I think that's what it, yeah. And then last year he was placed on the commissioner's exempt list and then injured reserve and then cut. So uh, certainly uh, the Colts ran, went and grabbed him because they think he can still be a player, but also because they think that he can be a different type of person, I would imagine as well. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know all the details that went into the, I know it was real weird with the commissioner's exempt list. I tried to find the reason why and all the articles I found were like, no one's given a reason why, which Great. is kind of odd. Um, but then like three days later, he was placed on IR and then like a couple weeks later, he was cut. So um, he's a player who I think if he can get everything right, has some talent and can add depth to this team. But we'll just have to see either way. I think the cornerback group is a group that we like pretty well. Well, and also keep in mind where we're at in camp and you've got Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey out. Good point. So, so, so now, unless you just find a guy with all due respects to the guys they bring in, they're, they're sort of filling in you know, thinner spots. And if, if, if heaven forbid injuries, hamstrings or whatever, limit some receivers, you'll see a receiver come in. So maybe this guy is, they, they think he can be somebody or right now in my mind, he's just out there to take reps. And, and along those same lines with a defensive end, al Muhammad also on reserve COVID-19 list, the Colts signed a defensive end to Demontre right. Moore as well, who's played in 66 career games in his career. Uh, one note before we move on, the Colts uh, 2017 first-round pick, Malik Hooker, the first first-round pick in Chris Ballard's tenure with the franchise, has signed a deal with the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, I, I'm very much well on the record on this podcast of telling people what I think about Malik Hooker, that I think he can be dangerous. As someone who grew up in the city of Philadelphia, as an Eagles fan for sure myself, I have, I have no love to, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, absolutely no love for the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, see, seeing Malik go to Dallas, he's 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 one guy that I will I will be rooting for in the star because I like him. He was always a great interview. He was uh, very available to us in the locker room, which is always nice. And I just I, I know he has the talent, Mike. I it's also impossible to if the Colts were not. It was just never going to happen. I don't think bringing him back in spite of his physical tools just because of the injury history he's had and what the other players they had in the locker room uh, at, at that position right now. Malik's, uh, the, the reason he's gone is because of his injuries, not because they think he lacks potential or skill at the position, in my opinion. Also, this defense isn't, isn't, isn't great for just a center fielder, the way, they, the way they play safety. But when it came time, remember, was it last year to exercise the fifth-year option? They didn't do it. Right. And in, injury was the reason. And you always stay arm lengths away from the from players because we have a job to do, they have a job to do, and we're not their friends. I mean, some guys I'm closer to than others. But if you ever pull for somebody, it's Millie Cooker. This is a great guy. He's done everything the right way. And he's having that great rookie year. Then he has that freak ACL injury. Remember that was he diving on the sidelines and he got whipped around. And when he's when he's played, you've just seen. Was it? Yeah, he had the the, the one handed, come from nowhere interception on Philip Rivers against Philip Rivers. Where Rivers said, "Yeah, I saw him. I didn't think he could get there." Yeah. So, so this guy can play, uh, but again, it's the old availability is the best of ability. So, like you mentioned, there are guys you pull for, and I'll be pulling for Malik because he's just a good guy, and some guys just deserve breaks. And I hate to use the word break. They deserve better fortune 
Well, we lost Mike out at Grand Park. Uh, we make fun of the Beach Grove Wi-Fi all the time. I think somebody needs to get out there in Westfield and make sure that they're up to snuff for crying out loud. But uh, anyway, we will move on with Joe and I here in studio. Um, to We've talked to a couple players, Joe, out there at camp, and uh, I, like, there haven't been any big takeaways from, from anything that we've heard um, for, from anybody, not in my opinion. I mean, we've talked to like Carson Wentz, obviously, getting out there. Um, was obviously newsworthy because everything that comes out of your starting quarterback's mouth is newsworthy. But, but there, there's no breaking news from these things. There's no guys who have put on 30 pounds of muscle, you know, in the offseason. So um, I, I think one of the most interesting interviews was Quiddy Pay from, uh, from after the first day of camp. And uh, just listening to a guy who's a rookie coming into the NFL for his first NFL camp. I mean, you've had high school camps in the past and summer workouts and college camps and summer workouts. It's funny to hear, like, every time you go up, it's it's kind of the same, but it's still markedly different. It, there is a different level, especially that the Colts defense in particular likes to run, how much Matt Eberflus emphasizes hustle and getting to the ball, and everybody, 11 players to the ball on defense is important to him and his unit and what he wants to accomplish. Uh, Quiddy talking about just the difference there and how it's so fast and he needs to be off the ball better and quicker was a, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a good discussion for, for a young player who kind of get, got to the next level. His eyes, his eyes bugged wide a little bit like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to be from now on. But that was after one day. Now you have like, you have uh, 18 more practices out of Grand Park to adjust to that. So I'd say for me, that's the, that's the biggest thing I've got from these first two days of availabilities with players and coaches was uh, the rookies, when you get there, you you realize that, yeah, it's still football, but there's something a little bit different about playing in the NFL. Yeah, it'd be weird if there was an adjustment. Of course. He was just like, this is easy. I, I remember, I think it was um, Leonard Fournette when he was drafted by the Jaguars. He got in. He was like, this is easy. This is the same as the SEC or whatever. And That's not a good thing. Yeah, I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing to be saying. But that's why the Jaguars are the Jaguars, you yeah, might say. Although... Fournette did Super Bowl, Super Bowl Lenny did get a, a ring this year. He did. But, uh, um, anyway, yeah, I, I'm glad he's adjusting. Hopefully he'll be able to adjust quickly because the Colts are going to need him to get after the mm-hmm. quarterback this year. And sometimes no big news out of your players is a is a good thing. For you sure. Know? Uh, I'm sure the Packers have had a headache all offseason with uh, Aaron Rodgers and are happy to have him back. So uh, just glad the Colts weren't dealing with an issue like that. Just from, from the first two days of camp, uh, again, just talking about um, I guess, first impressions from the team. Like, the first day, it was kind of sloppy. The second day was much better from an offensive perspective. I mean, balls on the ground day one, not necessarily fumbles, but incompletions more so. Um, day two, um, today on Thursday, as we record this podcast, was it was much better, it was much crisper. You got more from Carson Wentz and Jacob Eason, one, two. By the way, Eason is the two number two quarterback, especially right now, as you would think with Ellinger as a true rookie, never having been in an NFL camp before. But um, I, I, I don't see any way that he can be he can supplant Eason. Um, if anything, if anything happens in the quarterback realm, Joe, for this team, it'll probably be if Eason can't cut it, the Colts will sign a veteran that gets cut after the uh, after the preseason happens, after teams trim the rosters down from 90 down to 53. Um, so uh, it, that's not not out of the question, but it would be way too premature to say that's something that they're definitely going to do right now after just two days of training camp. We'll wait and see what happens with Easton over the next, like I said, uh, 17 more practices, I believe now, and three preseason games before we can make any judgment one way or the other there. Yeah, and, you know, I and all the other Colts fans are rooting that he is good enough to be that number two quarterback, and they don't have to go out and sign someone else. Um, So 
I take it your impression so far is he looks markably better than Ellinger has. Yeah, definitely. And, and like, here's the deal. Right now, the Colts aren't really giving Ellinger and um, Morton all that much opportunity in the seven on seven or eleven on eleven drills. They're they're getting limited amounts, but it's hard to say one way or the other what what you have in them just because you're not seeing enough. Mm-hmm. For for ones and twos, you're seeing a lot more Carson. You're seeing a lot more of Eason because they need more of the reps right now because they're the ones that they need to get more ready for the regular season. The Colts have have deemed uh, Eason the number two guy, so they're giving him, I don't know, uh, 10, 15 plays here and there, uh, and then you, you bring in uh, Ellinger or Morton, they might get two or three. And that, that's it. Like, and, and so, so I don't want to. So I don't want to make sweeping judgments one way or the other on, on those two guys. Sure. Though I do like Morton. Like I, I like I, I've been sitting there smiling and watching him just in drills. And like again, you don't want to make massive sweeping judgments on the guy's NFL capability because of drills he's going through. But he looks like an NFL quarterback. Like he 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 has a strong arm, I think. He uh he, he just looks the part out there. Uh, which uh, which is always a good thing, and I don't think he's going to make the roster. Not at all. I'm not saying that, but you have you have QB one exactly. You have four <laughs> guys on the depth chart. I think that you're going to like, and he could be the next. Uh, what is it? The next Chad Kelly in the preseason that comes in in the fourth quarter and and leads them on touchdown drive, and then everyone's calling the local radio stations saying that Morton needs to get a little bit more time there. We'll have to find him a cool nickname. Exactly. So we'll we'll see what we can do about that. Uh, some news around the AFC South is uh, all teams in the NFL have started training camp by now. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson has reported to camp, Joe, but. There is really no change between him and the franchise there. It's still pretty icy, and Watson still wants out. He's just trying to avoid the $50,000 daily fines that come with him missing a day of training camp. Yeah, I I would try and avoid those, too. As would I. That sounds (laughs) financially sound from my perspective. Um, The NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports the Texans are willing to listen to trade offers. They have been for some time. Uh, Chris Mortensen of ESPN reports the asking price for Watson has been some combination of five high draft picks and or starting caliber players. So you look at, like, example from the Colts, and just since people listening to this podcast will will know uh, Colts players, like, you're looking for, um, like, maybe next year's second or first, depending on whichever Carson would be, the following year's first, and then Julian Blackman, Michael Pittman Jr., and Braden Smith. Like for Deshaun Watson, something like that probably is is what it would take for an NFL team, at least by what we're hearing the asking price is, Joe. And that would be a really steep asking price from the Colts perspective or any team in the NFL. At the same time, if you're out there and you need a quarterback, you know you need a quarterback and somebody desperate might pull the trigger. But that just seems like a really, really steep price from my point of view. A steep price, especially for a player who there's so many question marks regarding his legal status, regarding his status uh with the league is he going to be put on the commissioner's list or suspended Uh, it's really all up in the air right now i'm not sure how you make a decision on this if you're the nfl your hands are kind of tied at certain point you'll have to um on one hand you don't want to deem a player guilty before they go through legal process on the other hand they are guilty you don't want them out there in an nfl uniform so it's a really tough decision i actually heard that your eagles might be the front runners yeah, that's what I heard at too. The moment. Yeah, whatever. Um, but we'll see about that. I've heard about four or five different teams throughout the past few months who have been deemed front runners. Yeah. So. Hey, they have that Colts pick next year, whatever it's going to be, that first or second, depending on how much Carson Wentz plays this year. You know, the, the funny thing is, and uh, I was talking to uh, our very own Bob Donaldson, CBS4 main anchor, about this, uh, uh, just looking at uh, some East Coast news and all the news out of Philadelphia 
it, it's funny because they're talking about Carson Wentz's vaccination situation. They go out and they see him with a mask on uh, doing his media interviews with the Colts, and, and they assume that he's unvaccinated for that. I'm not going to get into that. Carson says it's a personal decision, so I'm not going to say whether he is or not. But they see him with a mask on, and as we know, the NFL rules say unvaccinated players need to wear a mask for those interviews. So they're, they're all freaking out that Carson's going to catch COVID and he's going to miss five games, and then they're not going to get their first-round pick <laughs> be, because he caught COVID. So that, that's what the story is out of Philadelphia right now, that, that uh, people are really keeping their heads straight uh, in my hometown, as, as they always do. Because, so. you know, that's what we should be concerned about with safety and vaccines is totally. first-round picks. A- absolutely. <laughs> uh, Titans wide receiver Julio Jones is being sued by a cannabis company. This is a good find there, Joe. A company alleged uh, Jones and his former Falcon teammate Roddy White. Um, they allege fraud and money laundering. Uh, this story, according to Sports Illustrated. And uh, again, allegedly, uh, the company estimates about $3 million in cannabis was harvested and sold illegally every month since March of this year. That's that's a lot of cannabis. It's a lot of cannabis. That's a lot of money. I'm kind of surprised this story's been kind of under the radar a little bit. That's a talker, at least. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, at least, you know, there's two high-profile AFC South players who are facing legal accusations. Um, so we'll see how this shakes out. I'm not sure the NFL is going to come down and suspend Julio Jones for this until some kind of legal decision has been made, but I thought it was noteworthy at least. Let's talk some top training camp battles that we'll watch out in Westfield. I'm sure we'll get into this extensively really over the next couple weeks, Joe, and I'd certainly like Mike's opinion on them too. So again, we don't have to go too much in depth. Plus, we're coming toward the end of our show, which by the way, you can download and subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listing device every week as soon as we drop. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to follow along with Colts news and notes throughout the week. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street. Joe Mike is at M Chapel 51. So give us all a follow if you like what you hear right now. But anyway, top training camp battles for the Colts. You got to look at defensive end first, I think, because you you get a, you get rid of your last two defensive ends last year, Joe and Danico Autry and uh, Justin Houston, who were, were both pretty decent at getting to the passer. You're relying on guys who who have little experience or no experience as starting defensive ends in the NFL to produce that pass rush. Sure, you love what you have on the inside with Grover Stewart and in particular DeForest Buckner with an interior presence, but you need an exterior presence and pass rush too. And right now the Colts have nothing that's proven in the NFL right now, like a proven commodity that you can say, yes, for sure that guy can be an 8-10 to sack guy. Um, like you had in the past with Justin Houston, you knew he could be that guy. You knew he could go out and deliver those type of results. The Colts have guys they hope can deliver those results, but you look at a Quiddy Pay, Taekwon Lewis, Kamoko Ture, Ben Bangu, Al-Kadeen Muhammad, Isaac Rochelle, and among that group, you're going to have uh, some guys, probably four of those guys, um, who are uh, able to... Uh, They'll, they'll ho- they hope are able to deliver that type of production, but that's going to be a battle that we're going to have to watch in camp. We're going to be able to see a lot of them because the Colts like to rotate on the defensive end side of the ball too. Yeah, it's one thing to have you know one of those defensive end positions wide open, but to have both of them is uh, that's a lot of projecting going into the season. Um, hopefully, I mean, but at the same time, you look at the the draft resources that were used on these players: first round pick and quitty pay. Second round pick for Lewis, Kamoko Ture, and Ben Banigou. At a certain point, you have to go, well, we paid the high price for these players. Now we got to live with the consequences. They're either going to be good players for us or they're not, and we're going to have a less effective defense. We're just going to have to live with that. Um, I'm really interested to see. 
I think we both agree that Taekwon Lewis is the front runner mm-hmm. in this group just because he has the most experience, most starting experience, most playing time. Um, and he's coming off his best performance last season in his third year. Um, we're hoping for Pay to be a good player. We don't know yet with rookies. Um, Kamoko Ture, we're hoping, can just get healthy. We're yet to see a healthy Kamoko Ture, let alone a an effective Kamoko Ture since his injury. And then Ben Banigou's almost as big of a question mark as Pay is mm-hmm. since he was a healthy scratch for, I think, like, what, eight of the last ten games last year, I think is the number we mentioned on last week's podcast. So it's going to be tough. There's a lot of talent, but unless these players live up to it, the Colts are going to have trouble getting sacks. Of course, long-term, we hope to see Dio Dangbo mixed in with this group, but for training camp battles, you're not going to see him out there, so that's why he's not really part of the discussion. Uh, yeah, Taekwon Lewis, I think, is number one to this group. After that, I mean, we'll see. We will see who steps up. And, I mean, you're right. They're probably going to rotate these guys quite they a bit, keep will. them all yes. fresh, um, unless, uh, unless one of these guys really separates themselves. I think they're going to rotate quite a bit. How about kicker? That's an area that you're not going to see rotation when the season comes along. You carry one kicker, that's it. So you got either Rodrigo Blankenship or Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, Hot Rod finished fifth in the league in scoring last year, but was about halfway down, 15th in the league in accuracy. Only converted one of his 350-plus yard kicks. You certainly hope for more than that from an NFL kicker. Um, Bubba Ventrone spoke to us today, Thursday, um, about uh, Rod's progression in the offseason said he devoted himself more to lifting and uh, came in bigger came in stronger so yeah we're gonna we're gonna see he said we're gonna see a different different hot rod when uh, when he takes the field and it's gonna uh we're, we're gonna notice it is i think what he said something to that extent so um but they, they didn't bring in pinheiro for nothing joe it's to at least hold hold hot rod's feet to the fire i i I've, it would be hard for me to to see blankenship not kick for the colts this year i don't think that's gonna happen um but but signing Pinheiro, Pinheiro is no slouch. This no. is this is not a move just to just to say you have competition. This is a move to actually truly generate competition. I just think Blankenship is good enough to win the job because I think he would have to really underperform Pinheiro to lose the job. Yeah, the words Chris Ballard used uh, earlier this week were "iron sharpens iron." Um, but I would say there's at least a twenty percent chance that Pinheiro wins, and they're going to give the job to whoever kicks better. I don't think they're going to just get, give Blankenship any benefit. Uh, of the doubt if he's out there missing kicks and Pinero's nailing him. Uh, so I, I do think this is an important training camp battle just because we've seen how important the kicker position is, especially a couple years ago um, during Vinatieri's final year and when he was dealing with injuries and whatnot. But I do think Blankenship will come out on top. At left tackle, until Eric Fisher is back, uh, we have a little bit of a competition because day one starter at left tackle right now is Will Holden in training camp. Uh, Holden, you may remember, started last year in the Packers game for the Colts and did fairly well. Uh, they, the Packers have a pretty good defensive end there in uh, Zadarius Smith and, uh, and didn't hear his name called uh, at all that day. Uh, unfortunate for Will, he got hurt in the game and didn't play another down for the Colts. Uh, that year and uh, but now he's the starter Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport though were brought in this offseason to certainly provide at least depth there um, it's likely it's going to be Holden or Tevy, I think Joe for for that starting spot and, and if Holden is out there right now to begin things uh, he could have the leg up because uh, I, I don't think that how do I put this 
I don't think that the Colts would just they would give him the like, oh, you've been here before. And so you you get that starting spot and the free agent has to earn it. Holden still seems like a free agent to me since he only played one game for them last year. It's not like, oh, you're the guy in-house, so the other guy has to take you down type of thing, trotting him out there first. I think they're trotting him out there first because he had the better offseason and he looked better in OTAs, whatever they did in OTAs, the very limited time. So if he just knows the knows the a little bit more than um, than Tevi does, he's out there right now. This is probably 50-50 for me between Holden and Tevi, and we'll see what it is at the end of the preseason. Yeah, and then, you know, we haven't even mentioned Julian Davenport, but he seems like more a reserve on the right side um, than a guy who's going to compete for that left tackle starting job. I think best-case scenario for the Colts, Will Holden surprises them and plays pretty well so that uh, we don't have to keep bringing up the unmitigated disaster quote time and time again. I do it every week. (laughs) And I just did it now. But, uh, yeah, whatever the result is here, hopefully we can get some – at least average or passable uh, left tackle play until Eric Fisher is healthy and ready to return. We know who the Colts' top two linebackers are. They're going to see the majority of the time in Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke. But after that, who's going to be the Sam? Syracuse's own Zaire Franklin, Joe's own EJ Speed, uh, also Matthew Adams and uh, Sky Moore, Malik Jefferson, uh, Isaiah Kafusi there. Jordan Glasgow was on the linebacking roster, but again, Bubba Ventrone today said that he's his guy. Like he he, <laughs> he knows that he knows that that's his guy. So I, he's not competing for starting or, or defensive snaps. Really, uh, he will get a roster spot in, entirely. Uh, Bubba will go to bat for him, but not not in a role that will get him really too much uh, on the field on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Zaire Franklin, to me, like, and, and this, I, I really don't think this is my, my personal orange bias. Like, I think he has the clear inside shot for this job because you saw him more last year, number one. And number two, he was a captain last year. Sure, a special teams captain, but he has incredible respect in the locker room. Uh, so, so I'd imagine that he certainly has the inside shot. And if you want your boy, EJ Speed, to see more time, he's going to have to step up really in this training camp and take that spot from Zaire. He will. I think Zaire's a front runner as well. I think Speed has more potential just because I think he's a little bit bigger and has a little more athleticism. But, you know, that athleticism is only as good as you know what to do with it. And if he's not doing the right things with it and Zaire Franklin is more reliable, I think the Colts are going to go with whoever the more reliable linebacker is for that third spot because in reality that third linebacker spot isn't a guy that you're asking to make these game-changing plays most of the time if they do that'd be great but you just want someone in there who's going to be reliable during these situations because you got other guys like Darius who are going to make those uh, uh, turnovers and those big plays cornerback you obviously have Xavier Rhodes on one side whenever he gets off the COVID reserve list uh, on the other side well on the interior you have Kenny Moore he's certainly locked into his spot and one of the best nickel corners in the NFL uh, but uh, opposite side uh, whether it's Rocky Yassine or Marvell Tell or Isaiah Rogers or TJ Carey uh, we'll likely see some competition there and some rotation there as training camp continues um, I don't know how much you'll see Carey on the outside I mean, he has been out there before. We have seen him play the outside, but he's really more of an interior corner or a dime corner or someone who can fill in for Kenny Moore and uh, was very welcome to see him uh, last offseason come in when uh, Kenny Moore went down two seasons ago and the Colts defense really sputtered to the finish without a serviceable backup nickel cornerback. Carey is that serviceable backup nickel cornerback and maybe even a step beyond that. Um, so I, I think it's really a competition between Rock Yassine and Marvell Tell. Early on in camp, I can promise you you're going to see Rock doing better 
because Marvell Tell needs to knock off the rust of not playing football in two years. Um, but this is something that will develop throughout the 19 practices out at Westfield. So I'm, I'm eager to see how much rust he knocks off, how quickly he knocks it off, and if it's really a challenge, if he can challenge Rocky Scene for that starting position, Joe, come week one. And I, I hope they all do. I, I'm excited for Isaiah Rogers as well. He's a guy who, with a lot of speed who I think can uh, turn into a serviceable player. But Rocky Scene's a front runner, and it's really a make-or-break year for him. Uh, third year in the league now, he, was a, he wasn't a first-round pick, but he was a high second-round pick and the Colts' first pick in their draft. Um, Rock was a guy who, when they drafted him, I had a lot of high expectations. I think I actually picked him last year as one of my breakout players, and it didn't quite happen. Hopefully he can put it all together this year because I do think he has a lot of talent. Um, he just needs to be more consistent out on the field. We mentioned uh, backup quarterback earlier, but Joe, you listed it here in Cranton Camp Battles too. I just don't think this is going to be a camp battle at all. You're going to see Eason get as much play as possible. He's going to get a lot of snaps, I think, in the preseason. Entire first halves are, are very likely, and he's going to get a lot of the reps out there And when the team does 11-on-11, 11 11, especially 7-on-7 seven seven too, because they really need to see if he can be the backup. They're not going to throw... Um, Sam Ellinger into that spot in his first training camp with the team as a, what was he, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, somewhere uh, around Ellinger there. was a sixth-round sixth round. He was all the way down the sixth round, excuse me. So it was Eason who was the fourth-round pick two years ago, pardon me. But uh, they're, they're not a- anticipating he's going to be your backup quarterback, so they're going to try to get Eason as many snaps as possible to see if, indeed, he can be the backup or if they have to look on the scrap heap when a cut day comes around. And he's a guy with a lot of physical gifts who, if he can put it together, can be an exciting backup and potentially even more than that. Um, But for right now, the Colts are just hoping he can hold down the number two slot. Well, that's through two days of training camp out in Westfield so far. Plenty more to go from Grand Park. Hope to see you all out there. It's been fun. It's been it's been mild temperatures the last two days which has been very welcome it hasn't been overbearingly hot so it's been quite enjoyable especially today on thursday with overcast skies absolutely perfect day to just sit down and and watch some football and and enjoy yourself uh, checking in on the colts as they get ready for the upcoming 2021 season alongside joe hopkins i'm dave griffiths also for mike chapa we appreciate you listening to the colts blue zone podcast we will see you next time